morning, guys. Uh, what a great time of worship this morning. Um, I have this privilege this morning of sharing the Word of God with you. I'm timing myself here. I don't want to hold the record for the longest sermon. So I'm trying to time myself to, to be disciplined. So as I've said, we are still in the book of Luke, uh, in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, Marie last week uh, did a great job in, in, in helping us Looking at this passage, look, we looked at the first part of uh, the passage where Jesus is talking to a lawyer, he's talking to this man who somehow wants to know what can he do in order to inherit eternal life. So Marie preached on the, on the first dialogue of that message where the main idea of the message was just last, us loving God with all of our strength, with all of our mind, and with all of our hearts, Right? So today we, we, we continue in the second dialogue because there are two dialogues there. So we continue today in the second dialogue of that message. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 10, um, verse 25. So we're going to go a bit longer this morning, chapter 25. No, I mean longer, not in terms of the same one, but in terms of the messages, right? In terms of the verses. So uh, from 25 to, to, to 31, right? So let's open our Bibles there. And let us read Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Tap, swipe there your phone, and let's get going. So it says, um, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? And how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and he saw him, he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite came, and when he had came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went on to him, bound his wounds, pouring oil and wine, then set him on his own animal and brought him at an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to an innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Can we pray? Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your word this morning. And we pray, my God, for your word, that it may shape our heart. We pray that your word, Lord Jesus, may move us this morning, may teach us and guide us, Holy Spirit. Father, we delight in you. We ask you that through this word, let us See what you want. Let us see your will, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, 
So, as I've said, today we are going to a second dialogue between Jesus and this, and this lawyer. And somehow, in a pursuit to justify himself, uh, he wants to justify himself, right? And one of the things that Marais said last week when he was preaching is that uh, it, it's very challenging, it's something very challenging to love God with all of our strength, our soul, and our mind. So that's, that's one of the things that we took out last week, that actually that is such something that is very, very difficult. That's something that by our own strength, that's something that we, we barely do by our own strength. So Marais said we needed the help of God. Then now Jesus comes to this man and says, actually, <clears throat> uh, not just, you don't just have to love God, but also you have, the second part is, you have to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, I want you to think about that. That this man, as, as, as much as difficult it is to love God with all of his strength and his mind. Now, Jesus adds something else to that, to that standard, right? He adds something else that actually you also need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And of course, that's something that is very difficult. If it's, if it's very difficult to love God, if it's very challenging to love God, how much difficult then it is to love somebody else? I want you to think about that. If it's difficult for us to love God, somebody else, with all of our strength, then much more challenging it will be to love somebody else. So, in other words, Jesus here is, is, is kind of like raising the standard. I was preparing for this message. I felt, God, the, the standard is so high. The, the, the God's standard, the, the standard that God sets for us is something that is very, very, very high. And of course, that's something that we can never do, brothers and sisters, in, in our fallen, sinful nature. That's not something that we can do by ourselves. Loving God in, in our sinful nature is already difficult. How much more loving someone else? You see, our, our sinful nature ever since the fall, it's, it's the way that it is wired. It is wired. We are wired to think for ourselves first, right? We are wired to put ourselves first. We, we are not wired to put somebody else first. We are not wired. It, it, it's very challenging to love somebody else more than myself. Now, Jesus comes to this man and says, actually, you don't have just to love God. You have to try and love your neighbor with all your strength and with all your mind. So, even in this, in this, in this situation, you can see that the lawyer is trying to justify himself, right? He's trying to set his own standard. That's what the Bible says. He was seeking to justify himself. In other words, he was using his own standard of, of, of loving other people, of, of following God and loving other people. So Jesus Christ raises the standard for this man and says, actually, you have to try and love somebody else. So that's what sometimes uh, we do. And I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about that. That's sometimes, that's, that's sometimes something that we do by ourselves. We always try to love other people. We always try to approach God in our own way, in our own standards. But actually, that's not the right way to approach God. Because God has his own standard. And as Marie had said last week, that's something that by our own self, we can never do. So, in order to see how well this man was performing religiously, he asked Jesus Christ, Okay, Jesus, who is my neighbor then? Who is this person? Who is this person that I am supposed to love as my neighbor? Right? So, Jesus Christ answers him. His answer, Jesus doesn't answer him directly. But the way that Jesus answers him is in the form of a parable. And Jesus does 
two things in that parable. He takes one of the two commandments of the Old Testament, which this man, as a Pharisee's lawyer, he would know himself. Jesus takes Deuteronomy, the commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, where he says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. And then Jesus takes another commandment in Leviticus chapter 19, verse, uh, verse 18. And Jesus doesn't kind of like follow the canon, the canon of Scripture. What Jesus does is that he swipes around. So he takes the first commandment of loving God and he puts it first. And then he takes the commandment of loving our neighbor and he put it second. And I was asking myself, but why did Jesus do that? Why Jesus Christ didn't just follow and say to that person, okay, love your neighbor first and then love God after that. But Jesus says, love your God first and then love your neighbor. Because brothers and sisters, Jesus knew that without God pouring his love in our hearts, then it's impossible to love anybody else. That's something that is very, very difficult. So that's why Jesus takes the first commandment of loving God. If, if, if we know how to love God first, if we, if we are successful in loving God first, then it's going to be very easy to love anybody else. But if it's challenging to love God, if we fail to love God first, then it's going to be ten times worse to love anybody else. And I was just thinking about sort of like a situation that I've, I'm at at the moment at work. I find it very, very challenging to love my unsaved co-workers, you know, because sometimes we, our team is good, right? It's, we are good, we are perfect, one day we are okay, and then it takes just something so small, and everything, all what was good just goes away. Everybody's swearing, everybody's shouting, everybody's like, God. And I, I remember this week I was praying to God and said, God, I don't feel that I'm adding anything to these people. I don't feel like I'm the salt here. Because one moment you're okay, guys, yeah, we did well, hey, high five. But then after that, swearing, I'm like, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you. Why? It's so draining, right? It's so draining trying to love other people by your own strength. We are going to fail. That's why Jesus says, love God first. Let God be the one that enables you to love other people. You can't do it by yourself. And that's my biggest challenge this year. Biggest one. It's not biggest one. That God, you have placed me among these people. And you said, I will be the salt and the light. But man, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be as difficult like this. I don't think that it was going to be draining. I don't think that I'll... I mean, something small. Break a glass. Nobody, nobody comes to be accountable for that. Every, all of us are pointing fingers. It's, it's, we are fighting over small things. And you're like, God... Do I have to love these guys? Right? And, and I know that some, some of us feel that way, especially with our unsafe friend. Right? Not, every, not everywhere it's like this. It was going to be easy if everywhere was like this. Brothers and sisters, yeah, everything. But, but not everywhere is like this. Right? We, we, after here, we have to go tomorrow and, and, and meet our unsafe friend. And Jesus has placed us there. And the only way we can be able to love other people, it is only by loving God. Apart from loving God, then we can never be able to love anybody else. So in our own friends, we can never do it. Our hearts need to be filled by the love of God before we attempt to love anybody else. If our heart is not filled by the love of God, 
if God doesn't pour his love in our hearts, then we are going to sweat and we are going to give up in trying to love anybody else. Right? There's this picture that Jesus paints in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, when he says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. Let me repeat that. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. So you see, the, the, the kind of picture that Jesus paints, he paints this beautiful picture of morality, of ethical morality, that by treating, we should treat other people as we treat ourselves. But without the love of God in our hearts, without the love of Jesus being poured inside of our hearts, then it would be very impossible to be able to treat somebody else as Jesus Christ says we must treat them. It's something that is very difficult. And I was thinking as I was preparing for this message that often at times we want people who don't have the heart of God. We are urging people who don't have the heart of God. We are teaching ethical morality to people who don't have the heart of God. And that's something that's very impossible. If somebody doesn't have the heart of God, you can talk to them a hundred times, right? You can talk to you can demand them, you can demand for them to treat you as they you treat them as you treat them, but because they don't have the love of God. You you will talk, you will demand, but they can't meet that standard. Because the standard is God Himself. Only God has to be the one that dwells inside of our hearts. When God dwells inside of our hearts, then we are able to, we are going to be able to treat others as we treat, uh, we're going to treat others, right? So, as I said, I'm not we are not undermining, Jesus was not undermining those efforts of morality. But Jesus was using the standard of God to show this man that the only way that you can be a neighbor to anyone, it is through loving God. But here's a problem. Uh, this man or anybody else, including us, can meet the holy standards of God. That's where the problem is. That's what we discovered last week. That actually, in, in our pursuit of loving God, by ourselves, we are unable to meet the, 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 the standards of God. So, if we can't meet the standard of God for God, then surely we won't be able to meet the standard for our neighbor. Right? So, Romans 3 verse 23, Paul said, uh, Paul says, For all have sinned, and have fallen short of the glory of God. So that means that in, 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 in our efforts, if we are going to be trying to love other people by our own self, that's what we have to discover, that by ourselves, that's something that we can never do. Because Paul says that already we have missed the mark. Already we have fallen short of the glory of God. That means even our best effort of loving other people are nothing without God, Right? So in Isaiah 64, Isaiah says that our righteous deeds are like filthy garments before the Lord. So even our attempts to love other people, to meet the standard of God, that's something that we can never do. Because brothers and sisters, God is holy and his standards is up there. Right? His, his holy standard is up there. So by ourselves and in our sinful nature, we can never be able to to meet the standard of God. The best of our efforts can never reach the standard of God. And sitting down there this morning, it may seem so bleak. Then what should we do? If, if, if we can't reach the standard of God, what hope do we have? Which hope do we have? Are we hopeless? Maybe that's the question that we should ask ourselves. Are we 
hopeless if you can't meet the standard of God in loving him and we can't meet the standard in loving our neighbor, then that means that we are hopeless. We should just give up. But are we hopeless? So let us look at the parable. You see in the parable, both the priest and the Levite, they made a choice not to help the man. Both of them, they saw him, but they made a choice to walk by. You see, both the priest and the Levite were the highest religious authorities of the law in their times. So the priest and the Levite were more than just people. The priest and the Levite, they were a symbol of the law and the commandments of Moses. But even though these people were a symbol of the law and the commandments of Moses, if, if, if there was anybody that was supposed to help this man, it was them. Because they knew the standards of the law. They knew the commandments. But the parable, in the parable, it says that they just walked away. The people who knew the law, those who were high in their religious authority, they failed to help the man. And what is the symbol of that? Brothers and sisters, you see that the law was unable to redeem us. The law in our sinful nature was unable to, to bring us salvation. If anybody was supposed to do anything, it was supposed to them, but they failed. It took the courage of an outsider at the cost of his time, resources, and even at the risk of his life to save the wounded man. Now, here comes this Samaritan man, this man who's an outsider. He comes when the priest and, and the Levites have failed to save this wounded man. He comes and he sees this man that is broken. He sees this man that is, has wounds in his body. He sees this man that has been hurt. And he stops, right? And he goes to this man. And in the, in the, in the, in the Bible it says that he took wine and he took oil and he took care of this man. He took his time. He took his time. He stopped. He took care of him. He bind his wounds. He treated this man. He made sure that he got, he got the help that he needed. And not only that, but he took this man and put him in his, in his donkey. And he went and found a place where they can take care of him. And he didn't just leave him there. What he did is that he paid all the cost of the, for that man in order that they should take care of him. And I want to ask you a question. Who does that remind you of? Right? Who is the one that found us broken? Who is the one that found us in, in a mess? Who is the one that found us lost? When, every, when everything else was passing, who, was, who found us sinful? And he took his time and he stopped and he took care of us. He bound our wounds and he healed our sicknesses. And he didn't just stop there. He paid the cost for our sins. What does this story remind you of? It reminds you of Jesus. Jesus did that, Jesus did that for all of us. When we are lost, when we are broken, he came and he saved us. Now, what would, ha what would have happened if that Samaritan man didn't pay for that man? So back then, they had a very complicated debt system. So what would happen if that Samaritan didn't pay? Was that he was going to find himself, the man that was wounded, as soon as he could not pay, the debtor would come to him and make him a slave in order to be able to pay for his debt. But the Samaritan man made sure that this man doesn't go back to slavery. 
He made sure that whatever, whatever debt that was needed to cover for this man and whatever was extra, he made sure that he was going to take care of it so that this man doesn't go back into a life of slavery. In other words, he changed the life of this man. Brothers and sisters, this Samaritan man is the symbol of Jesus. Is a symbol of what Christ did for us. This story is more than just an, op an ethical obligation to one's neighbor, but it is a symbol of Christ himself bearing our sins upon himself at the cost of his own life. You know, here in the church, we, we have this vision statement. We say that we are reconciled to God, we love all people, and we are, we are advancing God's kingdom on the earth. We are reconciled to God, we love all people, and we are advancing God's kingdom on the earth. So before we can love all people, what's the first thing that has to happen? The first thing that has to happen is that we have to be reconciled to God. If we are not reconciled to God, then it's very impossible for us to love anybody else. The first step that must happen, the first thing that must happen to us is that we need to go back to God. We need to be reconciled to God. And once we are reconciled to God, then it's easy for us to love all people. It's easy for us to be able to spread and advance the kingdom of God. But once we get reconciled to God, God through his love, pour his, God pour his love in our hearts and he enables us to love whomever he brings across our path. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Whom do we find very difficult to love and why? Right? Who do we find hard to love? This man, had very, this man had very difficult in accepting, in this story, had very difficult in accepting that Jesus, the, the hero of a story, was a Samaritan man. He found it very difficult. But actually, Jesus, Jesus was showing him that anybody that God brings in our way can be our neighbor. Once we are reconciled to God, all the things that we have, about people, all our perception about people, they just disappear. We don't no longer look at people as, as black and white or as this, this and that, but we see a child of God. We see our neighbor in that because that's, what, that's how God sees everybody. So God enables us. Once, once we give our lives, he enables us to see everybody else as he sees us, Right? The beautiful thing about the love of God is that we don't have to do anything to earn it. So you remember the first question of this man. He said to Jesus, what can I do to earn eternal life? Brothers and sisters, we don't have to do anything in order to earn eternal life. Eternal life is a gift from God. Eternal life is, a, is, 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 is God's gift unto us. So we don't have to wonder this morning, okay, what can I do in order to eternal life? That question is not for us. God gives us eternal life freely because it is grace, right? It's a free gift that is given to us. And friends, if you are here this morning and you have never put your life in Jesus' hands, and I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to give you an opportunity to experience this love of God that we are talking about. Because unless this love fills our heart, then loving anybody else is going to be a very difficult task. The love expressed by the Samaritan was costly to both of them. So this Samaritan man didn't just 
give his love. That love was not something that he just gave, but it was costly to him. It took time to make sure that that man was well. But on the other side, the man that was, on, that was wounded had to open his heart to receive the love that is given. So it's not just one-sided. Because if God gives his love to us, then we don't receive that love. Then that's another thing. But both the Samaritan man and this man, as the Samaritan was giving his love, the man that was wounded had to open his heart and receive the love that was given unto him. Right? So the injured person needed to accept and receive the love that was given. And I made this example when I was preparing about this, that no matter how many times I, I go to Rob or Gareth's place, they don't know, no matter how many times I go to Rob or Gareth's place, and they always say that uh, uh, this is your house. Rob will say, this is your house. Feel free to do anything. But somehow, whenever I feel that I want to do something, there is this thing that stops me. Right? I don't know what it is, but there is this thing that, that, that stops me. So what happens there is that it's, it's not that grace is not given. Grace is given, but I am the one that is struggling to receive it. Right? So, brothers and sisters, the grace of God, the love of God is freely available. But also we have to open our hearts and receive this grace of God and this love of God. It's not enough for God to come to us when we are wounded, but at the same time we don't want to receive this love. Then we, don't, we will not have experience of it. But the Samaritan man came and gave that love, but the wounded man also opened himself and received the love and grace that was given to him. And maybe some of us this morning need to do that. We need to open our hearts and receive the love and grace that God wants to give to you. Maybe God is there calling you. There, God is knocking. That's what he says on Revelation. I'm knocking at your door, the door of your heart. But who has to open, brothers and sisters? It is I. I, as the, I am the one who has to open for God's love to come in in my heart. So don't just hear about the love of God, but also open your heart to receive the love of God. Right? Brothers and sisters, Jesus became a saving agent for us. And if we are to become good neighbors to anyone whom God places in our way, it will not be by our own standards, but it is true by the love of God that is poured in our hearts. Only through loving God can we be able to love others. So the question of this man of who is my neighbor, I think he asked the wrong question. The first question was, was for him. The first thing that he needed to do, he needed to experience the love of God. Once he experienced the love of God, the love of God will enable him to accept anybody that comes his way. And he would not be stuck asking and wondering who is his neighbor because God would, through his love, would have let him know who his neighbor is. And as we finish, I want to pray for us this morning. As I've said, I want to pray for us that we may open our hearts to receive this love that God wants to give to us. If you have never put your and, and witness and, and, and know the love of God, and perhaps you are like that man this morning, as I've said, open your heart and accept the love of God this morning. So we have the, 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 the grape juice and the, and the bread there. We're going to be making our way to the tables and through the communion, I'm going to be leading us to a time of accepting God's love in our hearts so we can make our way there this morning.
Brothers and sisters, in our hands, we are holding the biscuit that is the symbol of the bread of Jesus, that's the symbol of the body of Jesus, I'm sorry. And we are holding the grape juice, that's the symbol of his blood. Jesus, this is, this is one of the highest points that Jesus showed his love for us by giving himself on the cross for us. So as we participate this morning, we want us to open our hearts to say to God, God, I need your love. And perhaps you are struggling to love this morning. It doesn't matter who it could be. It could be someone from your family. could be a co-worker. could be someone that's unsaved. And perhaps you are struggling to love. But we'll open our hearts this morning to say to God, God, I want you to pour out your love inside of my heart this morning. Right? So let us lift up the elements of communion. Father God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, in our hands we are holding the bread and we are holding the grape juice. Father, the, one of the last things that you did for your disciples was to have Lord's Supper with them as a symbol of you sacrificing and dying on the cross for us. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that was the highest point of your love for us. And God, if we are to go out there and be able to love anybody else, it won't be by our own strength. It will be by you, God, just pouring your love inside of our hearts. So as we eat and drink, Father, we pray that let our hearts be open to receive the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, church, we can eat and drink. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? If you feel comfortable, just lift up your hands. Just lift up your hands and say to God, God, I need your love this morning. I need you, Lord, to, to be able to love others. And I know that I cannot do that by my own strength. I can only do that when you pour your love inside of me. Father, here we are this morning, and I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that, God, you may pour your love inside of their hearts. Father, that's, that's loving others is not something that we can do by ourselves. We depend on you, my God. We need you, Holy Spirit, to be able to do that. So come, Holy Spirit, and, and just find a place in our hearts. Find a, a place to pour your love, my Lord Jesus, inside of our hearts. Whether this heart is carrying the burdens of the past, whether this heart, my God, is carrying unforgiveness, whether this heart, my Lord, is just carrying a lot of burdens, my God. Father, here we are this morning. We open ourselves and we say, God, we want to receive your love. We want to receive your grace this morning, my God. Pour your love inside of our lives. We pray, my Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters in Christ. And as they leave, my God, going back to different places, going back to, to those unsafe families, my Lord, going back to, to those unsafe co-workers, my God. Father, fill us with your love that we may be able to love them, my God. No matter how difficult they are, Father, please help us to be able to love them. Because that's the reason that you have placed us among them, so that we can be the salt and we can be the light. Fill us with your love this morning. I bless my brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, guys. Pray over this. Pray that God may fill you with, fill you with love with your heart so that you can be the salt and the light of the earth. God bless you very much. If you are new for the very first time, please make your way to the welcoming table. Somebody will be there to welcome you and make you feel at home. Thank you very much.